This is a crazy passage. We've got the chariots of fire, where we get the song Swing Low, Sweet Chariot from, which I rock my kids with and then throw them onto the couch <laughs> as they pass over. And there are some things in this passage that I can't relate to, and I probably you can't either. But when I first read this passage, Last week, I was immediately drawn to something. It just stuck out immediately to me. And it was this moment in which Elisha, who is being mentored by Elijah, they're prophets. They're these Old Testament prophets. They're, they're just these crazy dudes. They're nothing like anything you would see today in terms of a pastor. I mean, they're just doing all kinds of wild stuff on a regular basis. And, and Elisha has, has uh, he's left behind his old life when he was called to follow in Elijah's footsteps in a very dramatic way. He got rid of all that he owned and followed Elijah. And now we're getting to the point where, where we, what we see is the end of Elijah's ministry. And it has been prophesied that Elijah's not going to just die and be buried, but he's actually going to be taken up into heaven by God. And Elisha is sticking close to Elijah. He's learned so much from him. He's seen so much. And Elisha is, is a kind of person who just, he's, he's going for it in life. He's not content to just go through the same motions as everybody else. And he's willing to really stick it out. We even see it in this passage here, and even the verses in which uh, the lectionary kind of skips because it's just kind of more of the same of him saying like I'm not going anywhere and I'm, I'm staying here. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to stick with you until the end of this whole thing, Elijah. And then he asks this really big question of Elijah. I want what you got times two. And this part that stuck out to me immediately was Elijah's response. He said, this is a very hard thing that you have asked. And basically, I can't, I can't promise it to you. I can't give it to you. But if you are able to see the divine intervention that's about to happen in my life, then I think that's going to happen for you. So what I want to talk about this morning is perception, being perceptive. What is it that we see? What do each of us pay attention to, both in the things that feel ordinary and mundane, and then the things that feel coated with some type of divineness, some kind of, some kind of supernatural activity? You might say, well, Jane, I don't see those things. I don't see uh, divine things happening. I don't see the supernatural overlaid onto my experiences. And I want to talk about those things as well. Because you don't have to see everything. You don't have to see everything to see what you need to see to do something like what Elisha is doing here. In fact, there's a whole lot of things I don't see. Just ask, ask my wife about it. She'll, she'll tell me. Where are my keys? They're right here. Are you ever going to pick up those socks? What socks are you talking about? Those socks right there. They've been there for a week. Those aren't my socks. Mm, they are my socks, yeah. I, I don't know how this happens. How is it that I can be so perceptive in some areas and notice 
some, some tiny little things, some differences. You know, when I started doing carpentry, all of a sudden, every room, every house that I sat in, I'd sit down and I'd say, oh, that trim, they didn't finish caulking that trim, or that's primer, not paint over there, and that crack right there is just a drywall crack, and that one's a foundation crack. Ugh. I can see those things, but I can't see the socks that I left on the floor. I can't see the keys that are dangling right there in front of me. And so right from the beginning, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking there's no way for any one of us to notice all the things that need to be noticed. All the things that should be noticed. But I do think, and I think, I think a, a, this story between Elijah and Elisha was onto, is that each of us have a task to start to notice, to begin to notice, and to enhance our ability to notice certain things in the world around us. And that the world needs us to do that. That's a task that we need to do to bring together into the community, to bring a clear, sharper picture of what the new world, the world that Jesus talked about, the world that the prophets wrote about, that bring those things that are in heaven to earth. Yes. I think it's, it's so clear in our culture even with what happened this weekend, even with the gun bill that was passed, every, just everything, the onslaught of all these things, is how unperceptive our culture is. The things we are unable to see, the nuances, the details of human life and the complexities of those things. We've got to get that ability back. We can't all solve all those problems, but together we can see things. We can see the kingdom of heaven, where it's working, in our midst, and we can do something about it. So in, in verse 9, it says, And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you? before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. This guy has got some guts. He's got some guts asking for this. He's seen Elijah do crazy miracles. In fact, he just parted the Jordan, which, as far as I know, as far as my biblical memory takes me, the only other time that had really happened was when the Israelites crossed over into the promised land and God parted those waters. Elijah again and again had seen the miraculous intervention of God. What gives Elisha the, the courage, the even foolhardiness to ask for that? And then to say times two, he's asking for something big and bold. And he's hanging on for dear life in the process. And, and, and here's, here's what I'm wondering as, I, as I've been reading this and, and meditating on this. is Are the things that we're asking for, are, are they of much consequence? Or, or are, we, are we settling for just like the next little bump in the road in our life? Just an, another little pay raise or the next meal or the next little handout from a friend or, or those kind of things? Are those the things that we're content with? Or, or can we stop and say, 
maybe there's something bigger for my life. There's something more for me to have. There's something more that God wants me to have. And that thing is to contribute in a miraculous way to my community. That God wants me to have those things, but I'm not asking for it. Anybody ever get that way where you're just in a rut, you're just in a bump where it's like, if I could just have some pizza and some Netflix, that's all I want out of life. Yes. Right? Amen. Just that's all. You know, but then that, from a day, that turns into a week of that, it turns into a month of that, it turns into a year, and then five years have gone by, and we've had no anger and no passion to ask for something bigger than just what everybody else is doing and content with in their lives. Not this guy, not Elisha. He's like, hey, I know you're like the greatest prophet that Israel has ever known at this point, and you've done the most crazy stuff, but I want to do it times two. And here's the thing. This is not a prayer of Jabez, anybody old enough to remember when that book was hot? Right? Of like, just increase my land, increase my territory, make me really rich. The, the, the American prayer, right? Just give me more stuff, God, because I just need more stuff. It's not that prayer. You know what this guy did when, when he was called to follow after Elijah? So he had land. He had oxen. He had a nice place. And when he decides to follow Elijah in 1 Kings, here's what he does. He slaughters his oxen that he farmed his land with. He takes the wood from the plow and he breaks it up and he builds a giant bonfire with it and he has barbecue with his oxen. And he gives away all the meat, all the stuff to the community and he's like, alright Elijah, I'm ready to roll now. Because I've burned, I've burned the boats. There's no path back for me. I'm only going forward. I just want this much of Elisha's passion yeah. to see what it's like to see, to live in a reality, to live in a world where something besides what we expect happens. Anybody? Anybody want to see that? Anybody want to see that? Just see something different than this just onslaught of sameness, of disappointment in our lives. Elisha is at least in this passage, a great compass for us to think about these things. Some of us need to just hear that today. We should just remember there's more than just a career path and a, a mortgage and Netflix and pizza to life. There's more than just the next thing to, to quiet our, our disturbed spirits and stomachs. So, this, um, this idea, it, it, it makes me think of this term, that, and it's kind of been a dirty word in church. Um, and, and that word is ambition. Ambition. To be, to be a person of ambition. You know, it's in verse 2 it says here, Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. So Elijah's saying, like, i got to go do this on my own. And Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And Elijah's like, well, I guess you're coming. <laughs> That's what you need to do the next time, like, your friends 
have invited you, have not invited you to something that you really want to go to. You say, as surely as you live and your soul lives and the Lord lives, I'm coming to that party. And I'm going to have me some of that cake. <laughs> oh. Ambition. The, the anger, the passion to do something that takes pain to do. And that's different for different people. For some people, the only way to get there is to ask for the help you haven't been wanting to ask for for a long time. The ambition to live a life that's more whole, that's more full. It could be, it could be a dream of a career, something like that, absolutely. It could be something that you internalized and began to believe that because your family told you something or the culture told you something, that you shouldn't pursue that anymore. And you should just be content with the job and the lifestyle that you have, and it would be too risky, it would be too much to go for that thing. And what I see over and over in moments like this in Scripture is that there is a godly and holy ambition that we can have for life. A discontentment with the status quo. Something that knocks us off of the track of life where all of a sudden something new can happen. Something that, that we haven't anticipated before because we weren't courageous enough to ask for it, to go for it. Yep. The unsafe path. The slaughtering of the oxen, making the barbecue for something that you see in the distance at the horizon. Verse 10, so he said, you have asked a hard thing. It's a hard thing. Nevertheless, you see me, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Elijah is speaking from a lot of wisdom here. He's, he's saying, here, I know this enough to, to know the possibility of what you're asking for. You, you have the, the discipline, Elisha. Like, you have the courage. You have the, the persistence. But I don't know if you got the gift. I don't know if you got the gift. I uh, used to teach high school. And one of the things that I would, I, you know, if you know about Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 8, so this won't surprise you if you know about that. But I would sometimes I'd follow up the messages from the principal if I thought they were not true or helpful to the students. <laughs> so like I told one time, you know, there was like a fight or something, and, and the principal gets on and says the kind of the typical things. And you guys are leaders. He said, yeah, at one point he said, you guys are leaders. You need to lead. You know, he said some other things, he got off the intercom, and I said, Hey, y'all, you're not all leaders. Most of you aren't leaders. Most of you are just following whatever you think the coolest kid around you is doing. So, if that's true, don't worry about being a leader. Instead, pick the right person to follow. Don't go based on some super... The person that you think is the most courageous that's the most kind, that's the most free, that's the most caring, follow that person. Because most of you aren't leaders. And some say, Mr. Carter, that's kind of me. No, it's not. It's just true. 
It's just true. Another one. You can be whatever you want to be. I'll tell him, no, you can't. No. No. What if, Mr. Carter, you're not supposed to say that. You're a teacher. No, you can't. If I try from now until I was 80 years old, I will not be a mathematician for NASA. I won't. There's no way. I, my brain does not grasp numbers and figures in that kind of way. There are no hidden figures in my head. <laughs> they're, they're, what, what's there is there, and it looks like, you know, like two rocks bumping into each other. That's the, that's the part. And so Elijah's saying to Elijah, he's like, I love your tenacity. You've got all the discipline. You've got all the persistence that's needed, but I don't know if you got the gift. What do you do with that? When I taught, I taught art, and I'm a, I'm a painter, sculptor, and you know one of the funniest things, it's funny to me anyway, that people say sometimes when they see my art, it's kind of the lowest compliment, I think, that you can get. I could never do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know you can never do that. It's, it's, it's not like you're saying that next to me and you're like smeared with paint, like in a, in, a, in a smock and you've been painting your whole life and you're like trying. You're just like, you know, you're, you're a CPA or something and you're like, well, I can never do that. Why, why would you say that? Why would you say that? Of course you can't. Not only are you, have you not studied arts, so you don't have the persistence and the discipline and the skills, but also you don't got the gift. I'm just saying, you don't got it. I see the world in a really weird way. I wake up in the morning, some mornings, trying to solve symbolic problems in my head. Not word problems, mind you. There's no math in these problems. But symbolic things in my mind that are made of images and pictures and colors and things like that. So, of course, you can't do it. You don't have the gift. You don't have what it takes to make that kind of thing come into existence, to come into reality. But you've got something. You may not be the one to see the fiery chariot, but you've got something. There's something that God has given you, a perception that you have, and maybe you haven't developed it. Maybe you haven't clung to the person that you need to, or the, or the type of uh, a pain that you would need to go through to develop that perception, but you've got it. And so Elijah's saying to Elisha, you've got the persistence, but do you have the gift? And this is, this is why discipleship in a church, it can't just be a program. It can't just be like a curriculum or something like that. That there, there are unique things that if you stick with it, if you stick with in a church like this, if you are persistent enough, that you will begin to perceive things that you didn't know you could perceive. But looking back, it starts to make sense. Hindsight being 2020. If you plant your feet and you say, I'm not going anywhere, I'm going to stay here, I'm going to allow myself to go through the ups and downs of relationships, I'm not going to cut people off when they disagree with me on difficult and nuanced issues, I'm going to persist and I will be able to then find something. 
I will be able to develop a sight about the world, things that I see that's unique and special. And I'll be able to contribute that. That's, a, that's the kind of godly ambition that, that we're talking about here. That it looks a lot like what Elisha is showing here. So that's, that's why as human beings we hate copiers. Right? Because there's just something in us that tells us you have something to contribute. So if you're trying to recontribute somebody else's stuff, if you're copying somebody else, if you're trying to live their same life, you're trying to do their same thing, you're trying to recreate their work or speak just like them or do it just like them, that somehow the world is now missing out on something that you have to work. Somebody help me, right? You feel that? That's why we hate copying. So Elijah says it's difficult. But we'll see what happens next. We'll see what happens next, and uh, we'll, we'll figure out if this, is, if this is for you. Two things about this. There are, there, there's, there's kind of two things I've, I've, I've been talking about this perception once that I think is available to all of us. The first is actually a spiritual perception. Something given by God that can be cultivated and grown in us, that we can be expected to see, that can enliven and brighten and encourage and grow a community of faith. I think about a famous example of St. Francis, who grew up a son of a wealthy merchant, and was converted as an adult and felt a strong calling to devote his life to the poor and the outcast. And he left his life and he was on, there's a story where he was on this path and he sees uh, a woman and she's so beautiful and he goes and kisses her on the cheek. I'm missing details here, but this woman was actually like a, a, a poor, destitute widow. Very old, smelly, dirty person. But the vision he saw of her was a pristine, beautiful woman. His perception literally changed by his submission to what God was doing in him. The big, the big thing that God had given him actually altered his perspective in a supernatural way. So that's one of the things that, that I'm talking about here. I don't want to make it seem like this is just some like Oprah talk of like your perception and you just believe good things and then those things will appear kind of stuff. I think that your perception of reality can be divinely altered by God in a way that can change what you think reality is. I know for me, there's times in my life where I need to be reminded that big things can happen beyond what I've come to expect life is. Those things I stopped asking for because they didn't manifest the way I thought they should or would. Those things I was asking God for because I didn't get them, because the things I asked for I didn't get them, that that means that God's not in the business of doing unexpected, big, and even supernatural things. Maybe I was just really immature. Maybe I was like my, 
my kids who are like screaming and crying because they don't get to do something that would harm them if I let them do it. And maybe I gotta, yeah, our kids will literally kill themselves if we let them, and when we stop them from killing themselves, they'll cry about it and hit us. Amen. <laughs> so if we're God's children, then maybe some of our requests just gotta grow up some, and that just takes time. And maybe a mentor. So there's that supernatural aspect, but hear, hear me on this. This is not, and this will sound like beating a dead horse to some of you, but this is not something where we get to ask for this thing and we get it and then we don't need anybody else anymore. But see, I used to have this vision and this dream, I don't know if anybody can relate to this, that someday I would achieve this level, my ambition would take me to this place, that's not godly ambition, would take me to this place where I'd be so competent, I would be so healthy and zen-like, and so smart and so wise and so skillful that I didn't need anybody anymore. That I didn't need community anymore. That I didn't need help anymore. That's not what this is. Elijah's saying, if you see this thing, it doesn't mean you're going to see everything. It doesn't mean that you're seeing anything other than a small piece. And then... The second thing, so the first thing is being able to see something that is actually divine, that is actually supernatural. And then this, the second thing is being perceptive, building perception in just the ways that are naturally given to us. Some of us notice when somebody's hurting much more than others. Some of us notice problems that could be addressed logistically in a community quicker than others. Or some will never notice it if they're given as many years as it would take me to learn mathematics for NASA. Or your socks. Or your socks. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying. That's the thing, I try. It's not that I'm not trying. And, and, that's, and that's what hurts. <laughs> I try. That there are things within you that you can ask for more of. And I want more of this ability to see the world, to have the courage to speak about it, to talk about it, to be wrong about it, to let it be refined, and that I grow in wisdom. So there's these things where, where Jesus says, you know, Consider the birds, and he drops this thing about the kingdom of heaven, and he reframes the perspective on those things, these sort of divine epiphanies that happen. But then there's also these aspects of who we are, these ways that we perceive the world that are just holy and awesome all by themselves, that we can cultivate, that we can develop, that we can ask for more of, that we can position ourselves in a way in the community where that gets to be sharpened and refined and contributed. This is the essence of our faith. Rome saw another insurgent, another would-be usurper of, of the king, of, the, of Caesar, hanging on a cross. Just another of many. Thousands of people were hung on crosses. And it never, it never mattered 
like this one. Other, other people saw that, that, or they saw a tragic death of a would-be great leader for the Jewish people. But there were those who had the perception, who had the willingness and the desire to see that this death was different from all the other ones. That it accomplished something that no other death had accomplished. And that some of those folks were even able to see a resurrected Jesus. They were able to perceive something that broke reality as they knew it. And from there they took great courage. It was an ordinary thing to see a man dying on a cross. That's a unique event in history. An ordinary thing that is never before and never will again to be repeated. But I wonder, are there things that our community is waiting on for one of you to perceive? Something that seems ordinary to the rest of us that could be transformatory to our community. I ran across this quote the past couple weeks from the writer of Winnie the Pooh. Hans Christian Anderson, that would be his name, the guy who The whole world is a series of miracles, but we're so used to them, we call them ordinary things. So this passage, it ends, read, starting in verse 12, we're going to read this and then we'll pray and move to, to the time of communion and, and uh, prayer time and things like that. Verse 12, it says, And Elisha saw it, saw the chariot of fire come down, scoop up Elijah. He cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. Says that's a sign of mourning, and because even though Elijah was going up to be with God, he was sad, and it meant a transition, a change in his life. In verse thirteen, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. So he takes what's left, Elijah's cloak, his mantle, the sign of his authority and his position. He takes it with him. All the discipleship, all the time spent, and then the seeing that Elisha has this newfound confidence. Verse 14, then, then, uh, then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. He's got to go back from, from where they came to. He struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided by this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. So Elisha leaves this moment having seen this thing, having been encouraged and emboldened to begin to do the things that he saw Elijah do. And he starts by asking for the help of God. That brings us right back to where we start, asking. So as we move into a time of communion, I want you to ponder, is there, is there something that really matters to you, something you see in the world's 
something that um, that you maybe used to think about a lot more. It could be a personal goal. It could be something you want to see happen in the world, and you kind of just said, "Well, like, that's not really going to happen. I'm going to you know, forget about it." But it's stuck with you, like Elijah stuck with Elijah. Bring that. Bring that to the communion table. Bring that over here to the prayer team to pray over those things. If you want prayer for anything at all as well, bring that, bring that here. Let's not be afraid to ask for these things. Let's remember our anger and our passion to see things change. God bless you. Let's pray.